Football fans, here we are. Week two is in the books, and we are on to week three. We had an entertaining weekend as we saw number one Clemson hold off Texas A&M in a game that was not as close as I was anticipating and not nearly as exciting as I was anticipating, as I told you last week, and as the rest of the night in college football was focused on number two. Six, LSU at number nine, Texas, with LSU coming away with a 45-38 win over the Longhorns. For the Tigers from Clemson, I guess it was kind of ho-hum as Clemson came away with its 17th consecutive win. But for the Tigers from Baton Rouge, my goodness, what a performance on the road at Texas. Finally, finally, there is an indication that Joe Burrow and this offense have taken a step in the right direction, opening up the offense, throwing the ball all over the field to the tune of 31 for 39, 471 yards and four touchdowns. What a performance from Joe Burrow and that receiving core against the Texas defense. I am Thomas Black, your host, and as always, this episode of The Blackout is coming to you from bellyupsports.com. And on this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to have some new stuff for you, as this week's episode has the debut segment for Blackmail. With Blackmail, you can call me any time of day, 24-7, 365. You leave questions, comments, rants, raves, anything you want, and we talk college football here on the show. That's coming up here in the first segment. Then in the second segment of the show, I'll have Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, back with me again to recap this Clemson-Texas A&M game. Look, I try to map these games out as best as I possibly can. I try to have on somebody who covers the best game each and every week of the season, but this week was a little bit difficult to project. There weren't an awful lot of games this week that just looked like they had to be taken for game of the week here on the blackout. And as we are going into week two, Syracuse was ranked in the top 25. They were on the road at Maryland. And had they won over the weekend, you were looking at a potential game day stop from ESPN and what would have set up an Atlantic Division matchup that has been a close matchup each of the last couple of years. But if you pay any attention to college football, you know that Maryland beat the brakes off of Syracuse 63-20. to So needless to say, Don and I will not be looking much at this Clemson-Syracuse matchup this weekend. We'll do more recapping the game against Texas A&M, and then we'll also take a look at what this Clemson team looks like versus what they've looked like each of the last few years. The teams that have fought for national championships, won national championships, and where this team needs to improve if they're going to make a run at another national championship. But let's go ahead and get things started with some blackmail. And the first call we're going to is Cameron from Charlotte, North Carolina, as he got in before the Clemson-Texas A&M game this weekend. All I know, Thomas, is all the Clemson fans better be rubbing some rocks today (laughs) because I think that death is coming to Clemson season today in Death Valley. A&M is not going to lose two years in a row. They're going to come into Death Valley and show some Clemson fans, kick them in the mouth, and uh, no more national championship hopes for, uh, for all these Clemson fans that won't shut their mouth. It's ending the day, 
and um, the rest of the schedule, I, I say they even lose two games this year. Oh, don't say that. Even though they have the easiest schedule in the nation. There's no way that Jimbo Fisher, who went to Clemson for a little bit, do you know that he was a uh, a baseball player for a, for like a semester at Clemson? He was. He's not coming back to Clemson and going away with a loss. So I'm ready for all these Clemson Tiger fans to shut up and have fun playing the uh, rest of the easy games that they have to play for the rest of the season. But it's over. It's over, Tiger fans. Rah, rah to that. Cameron, I appreciate the call. Thank you for calling blackmail. But, you know, you really could have stopped at any point in there. It's one thing to say that Clemson's going to lose to Texas A&M. You know what? I I give you a little bit of credit for that. Texas A&M is a tough team. Uh, Kellen Mond is a really talented quarterback. He lit up Clemson's defense last year. And who knows, maybe you were thinking with Clemson's losses defensively, an entire defensive line going to the NFL draft, some loss of some linebackers like Don Munson talked about last week. Maybe you're thinking that Texas A&M was going to come in and score some points and sneak away with a close win. You know, I told I told everybody last week that I thought Clemson was going to win this game by about 10 points. I thought it was going to be a closer game than it really was. So I'll give you that. But to go out on a limb and say Clemson's going to lose two games against the schedule that you document as maybe the easiest in the country for any of the top teams out there, that's just ridiculous. But with that, I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of credit as well, Cameron. That was quite a tidbit you pulled out about Jimbo Fisher starting off his collegiate career at Clemson. You know, I heard that in the broadcast of the game on Saturday, and so I have heard it once before, now twice from you, so that is an interesting fact. I had not heard that before, surprisingly enough, uh, but it obviously did not have any effect on that game on Saturday. All right, let's get to the next call. Thomas Black, this is your buddy Clemson Leon. Good to hear from you, Leon. What's going on? I was just calling to react to the Clemson Texas A&M game this weekend. It was good to see my Tigers take another SEC team behind the woodshed and lay a whooping on them. (laughs) Loved it. It was great. Talk with you soon, buddy. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Leon. I'm not sure it compared anything with the whooping Clemson laid on Alabama in the national championship, but I'll give it to you. They definitely controlled that game with the Aggies. All right, what's up, Pete Black? It's uh, Sev. Calling in from Kansas, Missouri. Hey, Sev. What's up? Just wanted to uh, get your thoughts on Notre Dame this season. I'm looking at an undefeated record, honestly, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, number one seed. Uh, I don't I don't see anybody taking on this defense this year, and Ian Book is the true dual-threat quarterback. Uh, say what you will, but it's Irish all day. Uh, thanks. Oh, man. Sev, look, I know you have faith in your team. I know they went undefeated last season but it's not like they're facing the exact same schedule they saw in 2018. Notre Dame had a number of very, very close games last season. I know some of those were early in the year with Brandon Wimbush at quarterback, but you have to look at even things that happened later in the season. The game against Pittsburgh, the game against that Southern Cal team that missed a bowl game last season, and then, of course, that blowout loss to the national champion Clemson Tigers. Look, there's no doubt that Notre Dame is a good football team. They've got talent on their roster. 
But you look at the schedule that they face this year, and I don't see any way possible that you look at Notre Dame and tell me that they're going to come away with a perfect 12-0 record. Before the season started, I was telling people this team is going to go 10-2 this year. Now, I've softened on that a little bit, but I still think 10-2 is much more likely than seeing this team go 12-0. The schedule, honestly, in some ways looks a little bit easier right now than it did at the beginning of the year. Just look at that late October matchup with Michigan. I don't know what Michigan's going to be. Right now, they certainly don't look like anything special. But give it some time. Michigan may start figuring things out offensively, and that game on the road in Ann Arbor could really be a challenge. You've also got freshly ranked teams on that schedule in home games against Virginia and Southern Cal. I know there's still some stuff to figure out about those games, but Bryce Perkins is a talented quarterback for the Cavaliers, and Southern Cal seems like they are starting to figure some things out with that new air raid offense. And who knows what that road game at Stanford to close out the season is going to look like. K.J. Costello is coming back from his injury this week, and that offense is going to have an awful long time to gel. Any one of those games I'll raise as a question right now. Who knows? You know, maybe Notre Dame is fine in them. Maybe they win every single one of those games. But I would not be surprised if at the very least a couple of those teams give Notre Dame a run for their money. Maybe even one of them knocks them off. But the one I'm not willing to give any ground on whatsoever is the one next week, between the hedges at Georgia. If you haven't been paying attention, this is not the same Georgia program that faced Notre Dame two years ago in South Bend. Back then, Jake Fromm was starting his very first game for the Bulldogs after the injury to Jacob Eason. Kirby Smart and that coaching staff were still trying to figure out what they had at quarterback with the young freshman. But now Fromm is a seasoned veteran. They've got what many people are calling the best offensive line in all of college football. They've got DeAndre Swift and a litany of other running backs in that backfield. And to top it all off, Kirby Smart and his staff have proven to be one of the best recruiting staffs in the country the last few years. They've got a bunch of four and five star players on that roster. And I'd argue right now that when you look back at the last two college football seasons and what you have coming in this year with the Georgia Bulldogs, I think you're looking at the third best program in all of college football right behind Clemson and Alabama. Two years ago, they went to the college football playoff and they had Alabama on the ropes before Tua Tungavaloa came into that game and changed the entire scope of what they were facing offensively. Then again last year in the SEC Championship, Again, Georgia had Alabama on the ropes, and it was Jalen Hurts that time that came in and gave Alabama the jolt it needed to get over the hump. Otherwise, Georgia would have been going to the college football playoff instead of Alabama. And all of those are reasons why Georgia is my pick this year to come out of the SEC on top of Alabama and go to the college football playoff. And Sev, I'll tell you this, go ahead and come back and listen to the show again next week because next week I'm going to have on Trent Smallwood from UGASports.com. I had him on the show several times last season and he gave me the best information I could get about the Georgia Bulldogs and just what kind of team they had. He's the recruiting analyst for UGASports.com and even when I was doubting the Bulldogs a little bit last year, he told me that they were the most physically prepared team to face Alabama in the trenches. Now, Clemson also fully displayed that they could hang with Alabama in the trenches. But when you watch Georgia in the SEC championship game against Alabama, there is no doubt that Trent was exactly right. And next week, Trent is going to be one of the best sources you can have for just what kind of a challenge Notre Dame is going to face on the road in Athens. All right, let's go ahead and get one more piece of blackmail in. 
You hear that, Thomas? Yeah, I hear it. The Mac is back, Thomas. This is Cameron from Charlotte. Oh, here we go again. You know, I was a little, I don't know. After the South Carolina game, everybody made a big deal about what's winning. It honestly was probably our biggest win in, what, five years? And uh, that's not saying much. I get it. Um, but, it, oh, are you hearing something else? Trade! Is that a how? It's Sam Howe. Not only is Matt Brown here, but Sam Howell. 16 for 24 for 274 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, Thomas. A true freshman, first true freshman in like 50 years for the Heels. I don't know, I don't know what to expect for the rest of the season. Miami's not great. I get it. South Carolina is whatever, but I see it's going 4-0 and for sure going into the Clemson game. We're After Appalachian State gave up 41 points to UNC Charlotte, who just had started a football program five years ago. You know how those App State fans are in North Carolina, Thomas. I'm not seeing anything from them. Um, Clemson's going to be an issue. But I see us going 10-2 and what? Uh, in, the, in the regular season. And uh, maybe a, match, a rematch up with uh, – with Clemson in the ACC championship, who knows? Uh, but what are your thoughts, Thomas? How do you see uh, the heels? Uh, what's the outlook? When are we going to finally get some respect? How many more games do we need to win? I mean, for me, the ceiling is the roof, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, the ceiling is the roof. Oh, man. Here we go again, Cameron. Uh, I get it. You're a North Carolina fan. They've gotten off to a good start. Heck, they've surprised everybody. They're 2-0, and uh, the ceiling is the roof right now. But um, if you're a Tire Heel fan, uh, I don't know. I don't know what a realistic goal is. This team is surprised already. They're 2-0. and They're off to a great start. Could they go 4-0 uh, before they play Clemson? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but they've got that game against Wake Forest on the road this week. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably give a slight edge to Wake Forest in that game. But uh, who knows? Maybe North Carolina keeps on surprising. But I think at this point, you definitely can schedule North Carolina for a bowl game. Uh, but no, Cameron, they're not going 10-2, and two, okay? Uh, you said Clemson was going 10-2. We know that's wrong. Uh, so uh, I don't know that we should expect the same thing out of North Carolina. But if the Tar Heels go to a bowl game, I think that's a heck of a start for Mac Brown and company as they get this thing started. Sam Howell has been awesome but I think you have to guess that he'll have some down moments at some point this season. Give me the Tar Heels, Sam Howell, Mac Brown and company to go seven and five. How about that, Cameron? I think that's plenty of respect for a team that went two and 10 a year ago. All right. Thanks to Cameron, Leon and Sev for all getting into the debut of blackmail here on the blackout. Just remember, if you want to get your questions or thoughts into the blackout, all you have to do is call blackmail at 706 706- 406-3566. Each and every week here on The Blackout, I'll take your comments, your questions, your rants, anything you want, and I'll place it into the podcast so we can have our conversations. Again, just call Blackmail at 706-406-3566. 
Now, as I head to the break, remember, when we come back on the other side, I'll have Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, with me to discuss Clemson's win against Texas A&M this past weekend, number one over number 12, and what it means for Clemson going forward, and just what is Clemson going to see as they track their way through the rest of the season. We'll have that and more coming up on the other side of the break here on The Blackout. Now joining the blackout once again for a second consecutive week, we've got the voice of Clemson Tiger football, Don Munson, joining the show. Don, welcome to the show. How are you doing? And what are you looking forward to as uh, you look forward to a trip up to New York this week? Well, I appreciate you having me back on, Thomas. Two weeks in a row is always good to be able to spend two weeks in a row uh, with you. But uh, looking forward to the first road game of the year here for Clemson. Got a young team that will be taken up there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, exactly how they re- respond to uh what is, you know, uh, a unique atmosphere in the Atlantic Coast Conference? No doubt. Coming off a big win versus Texas A&M, 24-10. Don, you were there last year when Clemson went down to Aggieland and came away with a 28-26 win, one of the most exciting games of the season for the Clemson Tigers. You come up here this time in Clemson with the Aggies visiting. They come away with a 24-10 win. And to me, honestly, I was expecting the game to be a little bit closer, especially with what we saw last season. Uh, What did you take away from this game? And was it surprising to you how Clemson was able to control the game? Or is it more of what you expected? Well, I think that probably the most surprising aspect of the game, and I think really through the first two weeks, Thomas, to be very honest with you, is the way this defense is playing. Uh, they come out, and, and I think all of us knew that, hey, this is, this is a, a team that has pieces of the puzzle, but I don't think that all of us quite knew that, all right, we're going to start blending as, as well as they have this early on. Uh, particularly on that front seven. You know, when you lose everybody that you lost up along that defensive line, and I know I talked with you, I think, last week, that, hey, there's plenty of talent that is up there. It's just got to gain experience. Uh, but I think more so at the linebacker core, uh, the way that the linebackers have, have responded, you know, Isaiah Simmons, is he's playing at a first-round level. Uh, Gene Skowski and, and Chad Smith, that are also the two of the linebackers that are getting starts there, they're playing at an extraordinarily high level, and they did it again last week against Texas A&M, um, that probably has to be the, the most surprising aspect of it. Was I surprised that, that Clemson you know, kind of controlled the game? Not really, to be perfectly honest with you, because uh, I just kind of felt like that, that usually when this team feels like that they have either played at home or played somewhere on the road where they've left something on the table and feel like that maybe the other team coming into that year's game is talking it up a little bit too much, our guys usually go very quiet and then say, all right, the talking stops here. Let, let's go out and let's, let's show them what, what we're really all about. And they've, they've been able to do that. Now, one other question about a start to the season. Uh, we flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, as many hype, as much hype as there's been for a guy like Trevor Lawrence coming in, talking about <laughs> winning a Heisman Trophy and being the best quarterback and being a, a number one overall prospect type of guy for the NFL draft here in another season or so. Uh, you're looking at a guy who last year threw four interceptions and about 400 passing attempts. Just a remarkable true freshman season. Now he comes in this year and he's quite a bit off that pace. He's thrown three here in the first two games. He's thrown one interception about every 20 pass attempts. Is there any concern about you know his start to the season? And what's the message coming from the coaching staff and Lawrence himself as he's had a little bit slower of a start than many people expected? 
No, there's there's no real concern uh, there there whatsoever because he's still playing winning football. Uh, it'd be I think it would be different if Clemson wasn't playing winning football and if Trevor wasn't playing winning football. He's he's still doing that. Uh, so I don't, I don't think there's there's a lot of concern. He's uh, he's still you know. You're going to tell me I have to trade him for somebody else in college football? <laughs> no I'm way. I'm not doing it. So he's he's still, I think, the best that there is in, in college football. And uh, I think he's got great, great tools around him to be able to use. Uh, and I think this offense is, is going to be, you know, just going to get better and better and better each and every game. Uh, and I expect it, and I expect it to do exactly that. I expect us to get better this week at Syracuse. Now you've followed this team very closely for a long time, and you've been able to call a lot of exciting games over the last few years. But now you've been with this team for four straight trips to the college football playoff, three, uh, two of the last three national championships. Uh, you've been able to detail an awful lot of what it goes, what goes into a national championship program. If you can evaluate this team through two games, I know it's early, but if there's one point you could mark at, what is an area of an improvement that this team needs to be able to contend for another national championship? Uh, I probably would point uh, maybe to the tight end spot, but I think all of us kind of knew that, to be honest with you. Uh, but again, I like the way that J.C. Chalk so far, who's been the starter at tight end, has, has opened up. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, – Davis Allen is a, a young, true freshman tight end who really nobody has seen. You you probably don't even know the name Davis Allen, but um, you know I, I throw it out there. He's number 84. I think that, that you're going to see that as the season goes along and by the time that we get – into you know early to mid November, that Davis Allen's going to be a factor. Hmm. Jordan Lay's got a chance to to be a factor. You know both of those guys are true freshmen, and that that tight end spot now to be playing as a true freshman, there there's not that many that are really able to latch on and, and do it and, and do it well. But I think that both of those guys uh, can go. So I I would say that probably that tight end spot because if if Clemson can get something offensively, can get some offensive numbers out of that tight end spot, then they're going to be really dangerous because all of a sudden now you're going to have you're going to have somebody that can control the middle of the field or go down the scene for you with all the other frisbee catching dogs that they have at whiteout it's going to create a lot of problems i've asked you about a lot of wide receivers on this team now there's an interesting storyline with one of them that we followed this past weekend i want you to share a little bit about uh with the listeners what we've seen in the last six months maybe a little bit beyond with amari rogers you know he tore his knee up in the spring game i think it was the spring game or maybe soon before that during spring practice and uh, all of a sudden he's back on the field so would you share a little bit about with the audience what uh it means to have amari rogers back and just how quick his return has been yeah he actually went down a couple of weeks before the spring game with the with the ACL injury uh but i mean you could just you could just see it uh with with amari and it it, it really started in the month of may to be honest with you uh because by that time he had obviously had had a surgery he kind of bounced back out of that out of that surgery and they you know he they got him going uh, and then starting starting mid to late may and then all the way through summer uh he was you know, I, I would I would see him around the football facility, or you know, just just around campus, or actually, you know, you could see him working out, and the way that he was driving himself, and um, you know, that's that is that's the epitome of want to. I mean, Amari wasn't going to hang his head; he wasn't going to let the, the circumstance beat him. He was going to beat the circumstance, uh, and he is he's been able to do it. it it's it's amazing to watch uh, to to see him out there, and you'll you'll see him play a ton. 
this week against Syracuse, which shocked me to see him start, as a matter of fact, back in that slot position, because he is he is a very important cog now to where this team is. If they're going to make it back to the playoffs and they're going to make it back to the national championship game, Amari Rogers is going to be a big part of that. Yeah, we talk about a lot of guys like Justin Ross and T. Higgins, uh, but you know, a guy that's a little bit lesser known as Amari Rogers, or you know, not as recognized as often. Would you describe just what kind of importance does he play for this offense, and what does he enable the offense to do that that they can't do without him on the field? Well, you know, he's he's uh, obviously a smaller kind of slot possession receiver. Uh, you know, he's he's about five nine, five ten, but. You know, he's a little bowling ball of a, of a guy. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, he just, he's got speed. He's got great hands. Um, you know, his father was T. Martin. So for those in, in Tennessee that are, that are listening to this in Tennessee, you know, that, that perks their ears up. And it was probably a disappointment that he didn't end up in Vol Orange, that he ended up in Clemson Orange, to be, to be perfectly honest with you from a Tennessee fan standpoint. But Clemson's certainly glad that they have him. And what really sets him apart, though, is just the voice that he has on the team. The leadership and the voice and the respect that he has from everybody, offensively and defensively. When when Amari says something, believe me, everybody is listening. Now, as we look at the remaining schedule for this claim, a lot of people have talked an awful lot about it. You know, it's too easy or whatever the case you make of it. Uh, there's no remaining top 25 teams on the schedule right now. Who knows? Maybe there's one that pops up somewhere, maybe in North Carolina in a couple of weeks, or maybe one a little bit deeper into the schedule. Uh, what do you look at as far as the schedule goes? And what's the what's the storyline around this coaching staff and this team when it pertains to the schedule? I know that Dabo preaches things like a nameless, faceless opponent, but how do you keep the focus of this team moving through a long season, one in which you're only a couple of games in and people were talking about an easier schedule that you might see from many other teams around the country? Well, Thomas, you, you kind of know the answer to your own question, I think, having been around around Clemson, is that none of us that are inside the program or that follow the program get caught up in looking at a schedule uh, because of what Coach Sweeney calls the windshield mentality. All you're worried about is what's right in front of us. Forget about what's in the rearview mirror, what's past is past. You, you can't do that, but all you can do is take care of what is right in front of you. So I don't get caught up in looking at the schedule. Uh, the schedule for me is just a week a week thing, and I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but that, again, is part of the culture because that's the way the players look at it. That's the way the coaching staff looks at it. Uh, and it really, to some aspects, it's the way the fan base now kind of looks at it. The, the, the most important thing is this week's game. This is the biggest game of the year is this week. Lose it, and you'll find out just how important it, <laughs> it is. Uh, but, I mean, that's – that, I think, is part of the secret sauce to what Coach Sweeney has been able to do here at Clemson is to get his guys just focused on what is here. Forget about what's happened. Don't look to the future. Take care of what's, what's going on this week. And then, you know, if you win, then you advance on and good things happen. All right, Don, we appreciate it. I thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, is there anything you're looking forward to as you head up to New York to face the Orange from Syracuse? You know, uh, it's it should be a, it's their first sellout in almost 20 years. Uh, that's going on. And Clemson's the homecoming opponent uh, for for Syracuse. It's their first home game, and they're having homecoming uh, when Clemson comes into town. But I think that the biggest number that's out there stat wise for me, Thomas, that I'm interested in watching is that Clemson has won their last 70 games where they've held opponents to 22 points or less. Can that streak continue? Uh, I think that it can. Uh, so I think that defensively we can limit the Syracuse offense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's a streak that I would like to see to go to 71, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. So 
Uh, that that to me is, is something I'll be watching kind of this weekend. Very cool. I appreciate it, Don. I appreciate the extra little tidbits, and uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing what happens in this game and, and as the season goes on. And uh, I may reach out again sometime as we you know head toward maybe an ACC championship or maybe even another berth in the college football playoff. Always available to you, Thomas. Always glad to be on. So call me when you need me. And again, let thank you for letting me spread a little gospel of Clemson. Go <laughs> yes, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Don, it's always good to have you here on the show. And, you know, he doesn't like saying things like this, but yes, we all know that Clemson is going to come away with a win at Syracuse. I mean, my goodness, they just gave up 63 points to Maryland. Ah, <laughs> oh, the things you can't ever imagine are going to happen in college football. But Clemson will come away with a win. They'll move to 3-0, and and uh, we'll just see what the season holds for this team as they keep on trekking their way through a regular season, which, I mean, at this point, good gracious, they should easily work their way to 12-0 and into the ACC championship. Now, before I get out of here, I've got to remind you of a couple of things. Go to bellyupsports.com, check out the College Football Forum for the game of the week, Pittsburgh and Penn State, and get in your prediction for a winner and a final score. If you're right, then you get a chance to win a free t-shirt out of the Belly Up Sports shop. If multiple people get it right... Then they're all thrown into a hat, one person is drawn, and they win a t-shirt. So go get your chance to get some free stuff before you miss out. And if you want to be a featured part of the show, call Blackmail. You can reach Blackmail at 706-406-3566. And each week of the show, I will bring on the best reactions, predictions, questions, comments, anything you've got... I'll put it on the show, and we'll talk some college football. Just go ahead and save the number in your phone, 706-406-3566. I'm Thomas Black, your host, and as always, I thank each and every one of you for making the blackout a part of your day. (laughs) 